like him. If you have your Bible while you're still standing, why don't you turn to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 10. And so, as brother Pastor, Pastor Jonathan said, he's not leaving just because it's me preaching. He's going to visit to um, be preaching and ministering at our church in Kudamundra. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 4. Scripture says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And turning to the book of Proverbs now, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of of life. Heavenly Fathers, we open your word this morning. Give us ears to hear what you'd say to your church, oh God. Let me not get in the way, Lord, but let your spirit minister to each of us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. And you're probably wondering why I, I posted or, or read two kind of seemingly unrelated scriptures this morning. The first one's talking about arguments and knowledge and thoughts and your mind. And the second one's talking about your heart and the issues of life. Well, the first one, let me give it to you in the Good News Bible. The Good News Bible, there you go. We pull down every proud obstacle that is raised against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. So as I said, this this scripture is talking about we're going to make our thoughts captive. We're going to cast down arguments or, or, or discussions or, or attacks against Jesus and we're going to, to, by our knowledge, we're going to take our thoughts captive um, and make those thoughts captive and obey Jesus. And the one in, in Proverbs, I put it up there in the New Living Translation, talks about keeping our heart with all diligence because from it springs the issues of life or as it says there, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. The heart determines the course of your life. Of course, it's not talking about the muscle the, that pumps the blood around your body. It's talking about your, your will and your, your, your emotions, your feelings. And so from these two scriptures, we, we see that we should take every thought captive and we should guard our heart. In other words, we need to be in control, if you like, of our thoughts and our emotions. But notice that it's an instruction to us. It's something that you and me have to do. It would be so much easier if the scripture says, God will take your thoughts captive and make them obey Christ. God will guard your heart. Would it be easier if that was the case? But no, it's an instruction that we have to do it's we that have to take our thoughts captive and it's we that have, have to guard our th- thoughts. Oh, my goodness. I have always had trouble with English. But how can we possibly influence what we think and feel? You know, you, you, you've probably said it. I can't help how I feel. I can't help the thoughts that come into my head. And so this morning I want you to talk, talk to you about this. Captive thoughts and checked emotions. 
captive thoughts and checked emotions because there's a difference between what we think and what we feel. There's a lot of aspects of us that are related, but they are different. For example, what we think and what we feel, they're different, but they're related. And what we speak is also related to what we think and what we feel, but it's not the same. And what we do is related to what we think and what we feel and what we speak, but it's not the same. And all those things influence each other, but they're not the same. For example, my thoughts may tell me that I need to eat less and exercise more, but my feelings can strongly resist this. <laughs> and who wins, my thoughts or my feelings? You just have to look at me to know. And we might become angry at someone and feel like shouting at them and even think about doing it, but we don't actually do it because our thoughts and emotions are not the same as what we speak. And when I say um, what we speak, there's a, there's a lot of ways to speak. I, for one, am very glad that what we think and what we speak can be different, otherwise I'd have been a lot more trouble in my life than I already was in. Can you imagine if every thought you thought was spoken. My wife um, is known to say to me, stop looking fierce, because there's a lot of ways we can speak, isn't there? It doesn't have to be in words. We can speak by our expression and by our body language, you know, and she'll say that to me, stop looking fierce, and I'll say, it's my fault that I have a resting grumpy face. But she knows me, unfortunately. And the thing is, what I'm looking fierce about is probably unrelated to what we, where we are and what's happening. So we have to be careful about what we speak. And of course, in, this, um, in um, the 21st century, in the 2020s, that's right, isn't it? In the, we're living in the 20s. Man, can't believe that. That means I've been in eight decades. I know. All of a sudden I feel kind of old and weak. But in this 21st century, I think we should be careful what we post. Don't you? Yeah. Anyway, it used to be common, when probably still is, but I don't hear it now, but it used to... Um, be common when someone had a slip of the tongue, they would call, someone would call it, that was a Freudian slip. You heard that expression? A Freudian slip. And that's based upon, of course, the psychoanalyst, psychoanalyst Sigmund Freud. And he, he claimed that these, when you do or say something accidentally, it, it reveals your true thoughts and feelings. A, a, a um, Freudian slip. And I was trying to think of an example of that. And the one I could think of as a common one is if you're talking on the phone to someone and you're saying goodbye and it's not uncommon to accidentally say, love you. Have you ever done that? Yeah, a couple of people are nodding. Well, Freud would say that reveals your true thoughts you really, and your true feelings. You really do love them. And it's just, but I think it's really just more due to habit. You used Because the only person I talk to on the phone, if I can help it, is my wife. And so, I'm not saying I tell people I love them when I say goodbye, I promise, Alan, I promise. But that's, 
that's a Freudian slip. And Freud said it, it reveals your true feelings and your true thoughts, and I'm not sure about that. I don't, I'm not sure if I agree with that. I don't know. But I do know that when you hit a bump or someone knocks you, you do reveal what's really inside you. That it's like a glass of, glass of liquid. If it, you knock it, what's inside the glass comes out. And we like that. When, when we, we can look like something on the outside, but when we're knocked or bumped, hit a bump, what comes out but what's inside? So what we think, what we feel, what we speak, what we do are not the same, but they work, they work together. There's kind of an interplay between them. And because of that, because they're working together, it means they affect each other. What we think affects how we feel, and what we feel affects how we think. For example, if you, if you feel scared, your whole body will change. Your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, your body releases adrenaline. So what you feel, what you feel affects your body. And the reverse is also true. For example, if your body is not in its best state, if you're sick, if you haven't had enough sleep, if you haven't had your coffee in the morning, then people can be irritable and grumpy because our body has affected how we feel. All these things kind of influence each other, but they're not the same. And for all these things, what we think, what we feel, what we speak, what we do, there's multiple scriptures that tell us we should control them. We should be their master, not them be our master. Because after all, being able to control our actions and our words is a sign of maturity, isn't it? When someone is controlled by their emotions, such as throwing a tantrum in reaction to something they don't like, you know what people say about them, don't you? They say they're acting like a child. They're acting like a child because they're letting their emotions control them. And I remember hearing on, on um, folks on the family once, someone, uh, one doctor was talking about that, and he, talk, he said, your feelings are like little children. And it's true. He said, you don't, you don't ignore little children. You take notice of them. And you listen to what they have to say. And you take that into consideration, but you don't let them make decisions that are going to be long-term, have a long-term effect on your life. And that's so it is with our emotions. We should listen to them and hear what they have to say, but we should not let our emotions control us, because after all, we're supposed to mature. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 says this, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So he even talks about not just your feelings, but your thoughts. A child thinks one way, and as you mature, your thoughts change. In 1 Corinthians 14, 20, once again in the Good News Bible, don't, do not be like children in your thinking, my friends, in your thinking. Don't be like children. Be children as far as evil is concerned. In other words, naive and, and unaware and, and not know but be growing up in your thinking. That's good advice for you and for me. Don't be like children. Don't be like educated and aware of, of evil thinking, of evil stuff, but let us be educated and aware in our thinking. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, the NLT says, This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith, in our faith and knowledge of God's Son 
that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will be no longer, sorry, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. We will be able to, to cast down arguments that exalt themselves against the knowledge of Christ when we mature, when we are grown, when we're no longer children in the faith. So the scripture teaches us that we need to grow and mature in the faith. We, no need to, we are to no longer act and think like children. And it places the responsibility on us upon you and me, to bring our thoughts into captivity. It places the responsibility on us to guard our heart and to keep our emotions in check, as it were. So what are some of the ways? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. What are some of the ways where we can take our thoughts captive and we can guard our hearts? First thing, the most important, number one, the Spirit of God will help you. That's the most important thing. Here's a scripture you often hear quoted. We used to sing it. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Remember that song? Brother Arthur used to pick it all the time. <laughs> God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and of a sound mind. Because the Holy Spirit that dwells in you is a spirit of power. It's the spirit of Jesus. It's the spirit of God. It's, a ho- it's, it's, it's the spirit of power. And it, the power it does, it empowers you to strengthen your will. It empowers you to help you act in accordance with your identity as a child of God. It helps you behave like you really are. It will empower your willpower, if you like, to live like the child of God you are. In other words, the Holy Spirit, if you, if you are led by the Spirit... Pastor Jonathan often talks about not just being filled with the Spirit, but being led by the Spirit. If you are led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will affect what you do. And then the Holy Spirit is not only a spirit of power, it's also a spirit of love. That's not, not, not surprising because God is love. And the Holy Spirit is God dwelling in us. So of course it's the spirit of love. The Spirit of God will help us manifest the love of God in our emotions, because our emotions are an integral part of who we are. God is an emotional God as well, and we're made in his image, so emotions are integral to us. But Romans 5, 5 says that the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. It's a spirit of love. And when God's love fills our heart, all those other negative emotions like fear and anger and anxiety disappear. So if we let ourselves be led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will affect what you feel. It will affect your emotions. And of course, the Holy Spirit is a, is a spirit of a sound mind. A sound mind. The Greek word translated here, sound mind, is sophronismos. Don't worry, it's close enough. Sophronismos, or something similar. That means self-control. It's a, that's why the fruit of the Spirit is, a spirit, is, a, is self-control. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, or self-control. It comes from the Greek word sophron didso, 
which means to teach to be under control or to, in other words, to come to your senses. A sound mind, you've woken up to yourself. Just like the, the prodigal son when he was in that pigsty, he, he came to himself. The spirit of God is a spirit of a sound mind. A sound mind. In other words, if you let yourself be led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will affect what you think. So the most important thing in, in keeping your emotions in check and your thoughts captive is to be filled with the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. Number two, replace the negative with the positive. I, um, I read this guy, he said that he's, he's, um, he's preaching is like soccer. He said it's really long and not many points are made. But I've got at least two. Here's the second one. Replace the negative with the positive. What does I mean by that? Well, 2 Peter 3.9 says this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus is not willing that any person should perish. That scripture alone tells you that predestination has there's something wrong about it. It's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What is repentance? Repent well, we seem to think it's it's just feeling sorry for what you've done wrong. And in a way it is. It's but it's a turnaround. It's a turnaround. A decision to no longer follow the ways of the world and to walk the path that we've been walking. That's what repentance is. We're not going, we've been heading this way and it's not working, and we realise that we need God, so we turn away from that. But there's more than just a turning away. We've got to turn from something to something. It's, a, it's, it's not just forsaking the way we've been living. It's not just changing to a path. It's a change of direction from the negative to the positive. Repentance is deciding to no longer live the way we've been living and to instead live for God. It's a change of, of direction from the negative to the positive, if you like. No, follow, no longer following our own ways, but instead following the ways of God. And as a Christian, as a, and I'm sure Pastor Jonathan would say, this church too, I don't want to be identified by what I'm against. That's, that's, that's not what we're about. We're not about we're against stuff. And sure, there's things that we are against, but that's not what should identify us. We should be identified by what we are for, what we're in favour of. What we do think is good, what we promote. So we, we don't want to just... There, yes, we should be against things that are wrong and we should speak up against them, but we should be for righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, for compassion and care and loving our neighbour as ourselves and giving to the poor and, and you know, manifesting the love of God to all people. That's what we should be... That's our identity, I think, as a Christian. That's our identity is we are the ambassadors of Jesus and therefore the world should know how much Jesus loves them by how we treat them. That's what we should be known for, not be, just being against stuff. And so it is, I think, with these as well. When I was... I started coming to this church in um, 1993, 30 years ago this year. So in... September or October? I can't remember. September or October, I'll be 30 years old. Plus another 34 years. That's how old I was, 34, when I, which is unusual. Most people come earlier in life than that. But I started coming when I was 34. 
And I wasted, look back and I thought, all oh, that wasted time, you know. But at 30 years ago, in 1993, I came, so I came to church and I gave up smoking. And I'd been smoking, I'm the youngest of six children. My brothers are the ones that, my sisters are, are actually English, they were born in England. And my parents emigrated to Australia and the three boys were born here. The boys are Australian and the girls are English, which makes for interesting times when the cricket's on. But because I was kind of, so I was introduced to that kind of stuff early because they had all these older siblings giving me cigarettes and stuff. You know. And so when I started coming to church, I knew I had to give up smoking, and so I did. And it's a very difficult thing to do. It's a very addictive substance, and I had to find a way... I knew God wanted me to give up smoking, so I had to find a way. But I found that if I just tried to resist that smoking, that was very, that was hardest thing ever. So what I needed to do was replace that with something else. Whenever I had a craving, I, had, I did something else. So funnily enough for me, it, it helped if I actually drank a glass of water. Because it took the, I don't know, took the, took the taste away or something, and it gave me something to do with my hands, and so that's what I did. I re, instead of just trying to resist the negative, I replace it with something else. That's what it's supposed to be like when you're trying to stop eating junk food. You know, you should try and. I've hit a nerve. <laughs> it helps if you're trying to stop eating junk food to have a replacement. Now, you, that can be a healthy snack, but it can best be taking a walk instead. Every time you feel like eating something bad, go for a walk. Do something that's good instead of just trying to resist the negative. And I think it's the same for our thoughts and our emotions. It's, 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 yes, we have to resist the negative. We have to resist negative thoughts. We have to resist negative emotions, but it's much better if we replace them with positive things, with good thoughts and good emotions. That will help us. So, the first thing, if you want to replace negative thoughts with good thoughts, Philippians 4.8, next slide please, says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Don't just try and stop thinking bad thoughts. Think about stuff that's noble that's just, that's pure, that's lovely, that are of good report, the things that are virtue, things that are praiseworthy. Meditate on these things. Try, don't just try to resist bad thoughts. Replace them with good thoughts. It will help you keep your thoughts into captivity, to bring your thoughts into captivity. That's what you think, what you say. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So if, if I was going to um, do a 21st century paraphrase, I'd say, let no corrupt word proceed out of your keyboard. But only post things that impart grace to the hearers. Boy, that went down like a lead balloon, didn't it? I um. Okay, be ye angry and sin not. How about be ye angry and post not? I actually used, used that 
few years ago we had a, a, a series on communication and I talk, but it was about emails. You know back when people used to use emails? Remember that? I was stupid the other week. I actually left someone a voicemail. Ha! You wouldn't, like, how stupid is that? I think people actually avoid voicemails and don't ever ring you back or contact you because they don't want to listen to your voicemail. But back when we did emails, I said, be angry and hit send not, and that's the truth. Posting, if you're angry, do not put something out for the world to, to don't speak it to the world. Go for a walk for 10 minutes and come down and see if you still want to post it. Anyway, in NL, the NLT version of Ephesians 4.29 says this, don't use foul or abusive language, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So don't just stop saying bad stuff, start saying good things. Replace the bad things you say with good things. Replace your negative posts with something that will bring edification and, and, and build up other people and impart grace to them. Okay, that's what you think, what you feel. Number three, what you feel. Galatians 5, 19, 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yes, we're, those things are negative and we're against them. But did you notice that some of those works of the flesh are emotions? Hatred, jealousies, wrath, envy, they're all emotions. They're all negative emotions. And yes, we need to avoid them. We need to, to try and not have them. We need to try and check them or bring them into control. But the best way to do that is to replace them with positive emotions instead. That's the works of the flesh. The positive is the fruit of the Spirit, which is the verses that follow after that. Verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See those, the fruit of the Spirit? They're emotions. They're emotions. Love is what you do, not what you feel. We know that. But joy and peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness. Replace the works of the flesh with the fruit of the spirit. Let, um, instead of just feeling negative or down, go and help somebody and you'll see the difference it will make to your emotions and how you feel. Replace the negative with the positive. So that's this. And just as a special benefit, I have three points today. Third point is this. Use the weapons God has given us. This is the scripture we started with. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. See, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. That tells us God has given us weapons that we can use. But they're not fleshly weapons, they're not our own um, abilities, as it were. They're not, they're nothing, it's not so much the worldly things, it's not the, what someone else has come up with. And I'll show you what I mean by that. So, if you want to use, if you want to use the weapons of God to change the way you think, you need to use God's word and prayer. God has given us his word. 
to replace our lack of knowledge and our thoughts, to influence our thoughts. And he's also um, given us preachers to expound it to us because his word will change our thinking and correct our wrong thoughts and our beliefs. And if we want to have um, correct thinking and, and to, to have right thinking, then we need to be reading the scripture regularly and we need to be pre- listening to preaching, expounding and devotions and, and Bible studies. Anything that will put his word in us. And of course, I'm talking about it's not um, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. There's, there's a carnal version of that. There's, there's, um, there's self-help books. There's motivational speaking. And sometimes they can have some benefit, but they're only a copy of the real. They can't compare with God's word because God's word is supernatural. It means it's above the natural or more than the natural. It's, it's more than the flesh can do. It's more than the people can do. It's creative. It, it's, it brings things into existence. So a self-help book or a motivational speaker may want us to do better, but God's word and prayer will actually produce something in us. It's creative. Psychologists will tell you that we actually process our thoughts when we speak them. Talking about stuff helps us order our thinking. And what better way to order your thinking than talk to God about it? Of course, it helps to have godly friends or your pastor, counsel, and so on. Any, but expressing your thoughts in prayer, because that's what prayer is. It's a conversation with God. It's not just a, 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 a hit list of requests. It's a com- conversation with God. And we can, there we can express our thoughts and our feelings. Read the Psalms. David, that's what David's doing. He's expressing his, his thoughts and his feelings and his emotions. And it helps him get them in order. It helps him put them in the right place and in the right perspective. Talking to our emotions and thoughts over with God helps us order them. And God's word is, as I said, it's creative. It brings things into existence. So the, the, the motivational or speaking or self-help books they can make us want to do better, but God's word will make us be better. It will change who we are, not just, not just give us some kind of, feel up to get up and try our best. It will instead change our very being. We will conform to his image. So that's to, cha- to change what you think. To change what you feel, I said there, use worship and prayer. And this scripture I've got there, 1 Samuel 16, 16. This is what they said. When King Saul, he was, he was troubled and he often had rages, I think. And so this is what they said. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. So they went and got the shepherd boy David to come and play whenever the... the King Saul was, was, his emotions were out of control. He would, they would play music and it would soothe him. And you, you know that from like having babies, don't you? Or even yourself, you know, if you, if, if music affects how you feel. And if you are sad, you tend to listen to sad music and that just kind of feeds on itself, you know? And if you, are feeling upbeat, you, listen, you have upbeat music which kind of feeds that as well. 
You know why that is? That's because music was invented by God. How do I know this? Because it was in the heaven. Music was in heaven before man was created. It's supernatural. And so even when there's secular music, it has a supernatural effect. So this is why we need to be careful what we listen to. Because you're actually affecting, it affects how you feel. It changes your perspective on things, listening to the music, believe it or not. And I always said that I need to play Christian music um, more in the car so it'll help me in traffic. Yeah, I, the, I heard a preacher, he once said, um, in fact it was here, he preached here, a visiting preacher, he said, I pray the Lord doesn't return when I'm in traffic. But music is supernatural. It's, and once again, there's a poor copy of it in secular music. It's a poor copy of, of prayer in meditation as well. It's a poor copy. Yes, it can have some benefit, and yes, you can use it for good, but it's not the same as the real thing. It's, it's, it's not the same. If you're feeling down or discouraged or low or tired, worship God. That's when the time when you don't feel like it, the time you don't feel like coming to church, that's the time it's most important to be here. Put worship music on, play some music, spend time in prayer, and these things will change how you feel because they're supernatural. They are a weapon given to us by God. The sword of the Spirit and worship and praise and prayer. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If we can just do what's right, if we can just do what God wants us to do, if we can just do what we should do, then inevitably what we think, what we feel and what we speak will be affected by that. And we can't avoid the storms of life. You know, when we, when we first got married, you kind of expected it's how it's going to be forever. And it's better. It's different. It grows into something else, which is better. But we've, you have your your storms and you have your challenges and you have your disappointments and you have discouragements and you have your sorrows. What did Jesus say? He said, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. And we are not immune. In this world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, Jesus said, because I have overcome the world. We are not immune from the storms. We're not immune from the disappointments. We're not immune from the rain. We can't control them. We can't control discouragement. We can't, we can't control what other people are going to do. We can't change how they're going to treat us. We can't change their reaction to us. We can't, we can't change anything, really. Can we? Yeah, we do. We have control over something. And do you know what we have control over? What we allow to enter through our ears and our eyes. We have control over what we read. We have control over what we listen to. We have control over how we react to things. 
We have control over what we do, our actions. But I think we need to fill ourselves up with the good. Because that's the only way we can bring our thoughts into captivity. That's the only way we can check our emotions if we, if we use what God has given us to do that. And then if we're filled with the good and we hit a bump, you know what will come out? Good. If we're filled with life, if we're filled with life and we hit a challenge, life will come out. All the life-giving, overcoming, joy-bringing words and music and thoughts and emotions that we've crammed into us, that's what our response will be to the challenges of life. That's what will shed forth from us if we can bring our thoughts into captivity and emotions in check. So let's stand this morning. Amen. 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 Keep your heart with all diligence. For out it springs the issues of life. I think that's our greatest challenge today. I see there seems to be like just emotive responses to things, you know. There's no discussion or disagreement or learning. There's just emotive responses, emotive reactions. But we need to keep our heart because it will, it makes a difference. Out of our heart springs the issues of life, the scripture says. It will determine the cause of our life, the course of our life, this is the NLT. We need to guard our heart and take every thought captive. It's an instruction to us. Above all, we need to have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. And we need to be led of the Spirit. But we also need to, to um, turn from the bad to the good. Turn from the negative to the positive. Put positive things in us. Do positive things. Be known for positive things. You also need to use the weapons of our warfare that God has given us. His Word, prayer, worship so we're going to sing a worship song now while we do that you can come and pray if you if you want to talk to God if you want to put your thoughts in order by, by talking it with him but let's lift up his name and, and draw near to him in praise as we let his word sift into us